0: Welcome to the Need More Buffs podcast, the unofficial Lightseekers podcast sponsored by DeliveryCrab.com. DeliveryCrab.com, your number one source for Lightseekers cards and three points of healing. Welcome back, Seekers, to episode 49 of Need More Buffs. I'm your host, Matt Sonnenberg. If you recall, last week in episode 48, we had on Fatal Zeph, who was our champion from the Delivery Crab tournament down in Texas. This week we're continuing our champion interviews with our champion from the Deliver Crab Tournament in Indiana. His name is Charles. This is going to be his first time on the podcast, so I'd like to give him a nice warm welcome and congratulations for that. But I'd also like to note that we will be continuing this championship series throughout the next few weeks, covering the champions from our New Jersey tournament that we had a couple weeks back, and then our New Jersey tournament coming up this weekend as well. If you can't make it out to any of the Delivery Crab tournaments, perhaps you'll be at PAX Unplugged, where there is a big tournament there as well, not hosted by Delivery Crab, but by PlayFusion themselves. And whenever possible, we, we usually like to get the winners from those tournaments on the show as well, because it's part of the scene as a whole, the Lightseeker scene as a whole, and we like to keep people informed about what's out there, what's being used, and how people are doing it. So good luck to anybody who is planning on playing in some upcoming tournaments, and hopefully I'll be able to get you on the show. In any case, back to this week's episode. The show notes for this episode can be found at DeliveryCrab.com slash zero four nine. That's DeliveryCrab.com slash 049. Without any further ado, let's jump into the interview with Charles. Welcome to the show, Charles. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. How are
0: you? I'm doing well as well. So... We brought you here because you are one of our many champions that we've had at the Delivery Crab tournaments, and I wanted to bring you on, as promised, and see what you've been up to. Because you haven't been on the show before, let's start off real simple and tell the people out there what your background in gaming is.
1: All right. I've been playing trading card games for uh, about 18 years now. I'm a little bit older. I'm 31. Okay. So I started off with Pokemon.
0: I was going to say, yeah, 18 years doing some quick math there. That's that, That's pretty young,
1: actually. Right, yeah. I was 13 when I got my first Pokemon cards. And okay. It okay. just kind of blossomed from that. Uh, I didn't start playing competitive card games until I was 18 and able to travel on my own, which was with uh, the old WWE card game, Rodeo. Okay. okay. And you know, I would travel to Indianapolis frequently. Gen count on that. Michigan a few times for like a Wrestlemania event and stuff like that through that game but other than that you know just competitive magic here and there. On and off when uh, time and money allots.
0: Sure. Yeah. I, I mean I can kind of see from just how far you traveled for the Delivery Crab tournament that yeah traveling has kind of been your thing for some time. What people may not know, I believe you're from Missouri.
1: Right, I'm from about an hour south of St. Louis.
0: Okay, and you and traveled t- all the way up to like h- how far of a drive was that?
1: Oh, to Indianapolis, it was roughly 500 miles. It took us about five hours. Wow. There was a time, there was a time zone change, and it, mm-hmm. it threw us off. So we had to <laughs> we had to throw our uh, trip back an hour in order yeah. to accommodate for the times one change
0: that's quite the track for for one tournament there not even like a whole convention or anything like making that trip for gen con i can see definitely right how often do you travel then for tournaments for any game
1: recently not as much having children it's kind of hard to sure. accommodate that but i've luckily got a good support system that if i can plan something a month or two in advance and i'm good to go
0: Yeah, and that's what we're trying to do more and more with our tournaments for sure, is give people that time to plan. So I'm glad you could make it out.
1: I had a great time. It was a blast. Met a lot of great people there. I brought two people along with me, and one did well. He got second place, and the other one didn't fare as well, but he still had a good time.
0: (laughs) That's good to hear, yeah. How long have you been playing Lightseekers?
1: I've been playing Lightseekers two or three months since right before Kindred released.
0: Okay, so where were you first introduced to it?
1: I'm friends with Nick Zimmerman, TPG Gaming. Mm, Okay, okay. Some people may know him, and I saw him posting that he won Gen Con Nationals, and I was like, wow, that's great. Uh, Tell me more about this game. And, you know, he kind of explained it to me, and I I just ran ran with it from there.
0: That's awesome, yeah. Nick has, has done many good things for this game, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. So your friends that you brought along with you, did you Were these people you knew ahead of time Or people you met because of Lightseekers Or how did that work
1: One of them that came with me was Is my roommate okay. He lives with me And the other one is his friend So I guess technically I met him through <laughs> Lightseekers But I've known my roommate now For about five years
0: Does he play I, other, I just, other card games as well
1: Yeah he's a big magic c- competitor okay. In our area They so, both are I'm not I don't have time anymore <laughs> for that
0: so do you have a light seeker scene in your area, which is say? Or is it just uh, kind of the three of you?
1: <laughs> it's the three of us. We're trying to drum up some business. We've had one demo with a PlayFusion rep, actually. Okay. And we got about 12 people, which is great.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: We're planning another one. He should be back up in a month or two. And okay. between then, we're going to try to get something else going.
0: Yeah, yeah that's a good plan for sure. I, I think I saw you started up a local Facebook group.
1: Yeah, it's uh, me, my roommate, and the PlayFusion rep.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that's something I've been encouraging a lot for the community because they, they have proven to be effective when used regularly, basically. Like, you can't just right. start them and expect it to grow. But if it's something you kind of cultivate along with your local scene, it, it works out very well. So I will definitely put that in the show notes for anyone who's interested, anyone who might be in that area. But. Do you have at least one local game store? I'm guessing where you play.
1: Yeah, we have one local game store. There's a couple more that are reluctant to pick the game up, but uh, I, hopefully, yep, I understand that. Hopefully, uh, if they see our shop, my main shop, which is Gamers Bazaar, hopefully they pick that up. Even he's a little reluctant, but you know, with <laughs> with the interest through the the rep and all that, he's he's at least buying product now for us.
0: That's, that's always good to hear. Yeah. Give it a shot. Now, now you just got to prove to them that it's worth it, you know, right. support them local shops. So, yep. Like I said, you made out to our Indiana delivery crab tournament and you did very well there. You, you kind of, I assume jokingly told me before the tournament even happened that you are going to be on this podcast. Right. (laughs) And it's like, well, you got to go win it first. I can't just, you know, invite you on before that. But I'm glad to hear it did turn out well for you. You did win the tournament. And we're here to talk about how you did that. So if you want to just give me a quick rundown of what's on your deck list that you used for this tournament, and then we'll break it down a little more.
1: I played Granite, which is... Much more effective in the physical card game than the digital one right now. (laughs) I've learned that the hard way. Mm -hmm. Obviously, his ability, when your deck's empty, you deal five more damage. My combos were Crushing Blow, Lava Shedding, Magma Blast, Stream of Tontos, and Wrath of the Mountain. My action cards were Ancient Miner, three of them, three Boulder Feast, three Crystal Leech, three Exterior Defender... Three Focus Chamber, three Geode Hatchling, three Mountain Fort, two Emergency System, two Shattered Volcano, two Tantosian Blacksmith, one Forge Ball, Forge Wall, one Spinblade 3000, and one Tyrex Fixer. It was also a side deck event for Best Mm -hmm. of Three, which my side deck included two Crushing Charger, two Draga Hoarder, two more Tyrex Fixer, one Font of Misfortune, one Rupture and one Shattered Volcano.
0: Wonderful. So is this a deck that you kind of built from the ground up? Or did you find it somewhere? Or did you modify it? Or where did it come from?
1: Everything but the sideboard came from YouTube, which the channel, I believe, was Stormbrew Gaming. Okay. I took it from there. I built it up in physical form and just put in a lot of hours with it to practice yes. It's ironic that I chose granite because, I don't know, about five years ago, a slab of granite actually fell on me. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, it completely broke my right side, uh, fractured a shoulder and a rib, and collapsed a lung. Long story short, I'm still here. <laughs> it's but, good to uh, hear. funny that I chose granite of, it,
0: yeah. of anything. Yeah, I kind of love-hate relationship with granite yeah. Eh?
1: Right. So the main combo in the deck is to empty your deck out. Mm -hmm. You have two Shattered Volcano on the field. And any Mountain card or any Earth card you play, which will trigger Shattered Volcano, it's going to do five per Shattered Volcano. Or sorry, seven per Shattered Volcano. I'm used to the app right now. (laughs) Yep. Seven per Shattered Volcano and then whatever the card is. So say you play your Wrath of the Mountain. Uh, you're going to do 31 damage, 7 from each volcano, and 17 for the Wrath of the Mountain itself.
0: So how often do you find you can actually get that set up without like those volcanoes being removed?
1: 75% of the time, I mean, you're going to keep both your Shattered Volcanoes. You kind of play through their buff removal. I was
0: going to say, you play enough buffs early on that they, they remove those instead.
1: Right. If they see what you're going for, obviously you see the ability. You're going to want to try to keep those Ancient Miners off the field. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going to target those a lot. Exterior Defenders really help with that. You know, They have to waste a turn playing through Exterior Defender and removing your buffs. So yeah. you got another turn or two to kind of play through if they do get one of your Shattered Volcanoes.
0: And the Geode Hatchlings, one of my favorite cards that for a long time was kind of underrated, and I think people kind of picked up on it more. It's really just a wild card. You know, it can be whatever buff you want it to be.
1: Yes. Three more of any buff. Yeah.
0: Is is there anything in particular you like to use it for, like a favorite card you like to use it on? I mean, it can be very situational, depending on the game and how it's going, what you want to use it on, I understand, but... Is there something you you prefer to use it on if you have your choice?
1: Preferably early on, I used to kind of just shove out Ancient Miners. You keep that draw going. Mm -hmm. Ancient Miners are great. Obviously, Exterior Defender is great. It adds another turn to your clock. Actually, one of my favorite implications of the Geode Hatchling is post-side deck on a Font of Misfortune, which basically gives you another three or four turns of keeping them from recurring whatever they need to stop you so phantom Wish fortune reads cards and all heroes discard pile have burn mm-hmm. and corner one it deals three damage
0: yeah, just a small bonus for, right. <laughs> for when that card gets removed
1: so yeah actually my one loss was to time and rounds mostly because I put a Font of Misfortune out and, and locked both of us from doing anything for <laughs> four turns. The fourth turn, when a uh, Font expired, I geode hatchlinged it back, giving <laughs> us another four turns of Lockdown, and it kind of it ran the game extra long. Sure. And I lost two timing rounds, which isn't fun, but it's part of a game.
0: Mm-hmm. It definitely is, yeah. So just just looking at your main deck again though like the focus chambers are another one that I usually see a few of but not always 3. Right. And I I know in my early granite builds like that was something I loved too because it was another way to kind of draw through your deck a little bit faster and mm-hmm. still allow you to play cards at the same time too. Right. So do you find having 3 of those help significantly?
1: No. Actually, that would be one card. I would cut one of those out if I... I mean, post-rotation, this deck isn't going to be sure. a deck anymore. But I would cut one, definitely. Consistency is definitely key in this deck. You, mm-hmm. you want to draw what you need. You want to be ready to throw your combo out in two turns, one turn. Focus Chambers are great for that because it allows you to play two Shattered Volcanoes in the same turn. Very true. So you can kind of... You got one card left in deck. You play a Focus Chamber, draw it, throw a Shattered Volcano down with Focus Chamber's effect, and your second action, play another Shattered Volcano. And you got two of them, and you're ready to go next turn.
0: Awesome, yeah. Then you have two items in here. It's something I see very commonly now, but they're both for Mechanical, I believe, right? right? Yes. And your Forge Wall is probably the one you get down fairly early. The Spin Blade, do you have any particular purpose for it, other than being another item?
1: Being another item, and frequently I've found myself, if the combo doesn't go off, it, it helps you just grind it down. Two to three damage a turn, while isn't ideal, because you don't get the uh, a bonus from your ability on items, mm-hmm. however, if they're running out of healing, if it's that late in the game, you know... It could just well, very well finish them off.
0: It could be just enough, yeah. Right, and and that's something I, I think in this tournament you still had to plow through a bunch of mountain decks. And um. Yeah. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like. I I didn't look at the matchups in particular. I guess I just know there were other <laughs> mountain decks in the tournament. But yeah, the spin blade is one of my favorites to use. You know, against like mountain fort. It's like right. you don't have to waste cards to, to get rid of it, but you don't have to waste buff removal to get rid of it either. So it takes right. a few turns, but you'll get there eventually.
1: Yeah, I played two mountain decks, Ancient Ignu and Dolo the Mighty in this. And they both, I believe, played Crushing Blow, <laughs> which kind of hurt the the forge wall. But, mm-hmm. you know, with the spin blade, you know, I still had access to my emergency systems and my Tyrax fixers. Yep, And it's just kind of a, a good secondary option.
0: Definitely. So then starting to look at the side deck, I've been trying to get into this a little bit more with people because it's something that not everybody's familiar with and it is kind of an art in its own. I've seen a number of players pre-tournament, like that always seems to be the last thing. They'll get the main deck all fixed. They'll have worked on that for months and then like the night before the tournament, it's like, what should I put in my side deck?
1: I actually did that as well. I did it a week before. <laughs> so my side deck, two Crushing Charger, two hoarder, two Tyrex Fixture, one Font of Misfortune, one Rupture, and one Shattered Volcano. Mm-hmm. With that, my uh, my main goal was I severely underpredicted the amount of Creeple Jesters that would be played.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: So I put in two hoarder. Okay. However triple Jester gets outclassed by Crushing Charger, and in, they're in
0: a lot of matchups. Yes,
1: right, uh, especially in my matchup, I can survive <laughs> discarding down to seven. Mm-hmm. It sets me back at least two or three turns if I get Crushing Chargered. While I would definitely take out the two a Hoarder in the future, but Crushing Charger is definitely an MVP. In any matchup, you know, digital's a little different. I don't see as much draw decks in digital, but in mm-hmm. physical play, it's all about building your hand, building your board state, and kind of winning in that way. Two Tyrex fixers were for extra healing emergency type situations. If they're playing hyper aggro, like maybe a Zuna. Okay. So I was going to say,
0: you you already have the three Boulder Feasts and the one Tyrex Fixer in there, along with the two emergency systems. So you, right. ha, you had a fair amount of healing, even for an aggro deck coming at you, but yeah, I can see you definitely wanting some more.
1: Yeah, never know, never too safe. Font Misfortune's great. I would actually up this in the side list. I would probably add one or two more. Yeah, It slows everyone down, you know, Dread decks that splash... Uh, Storm for Heavy Recursion on the buffs. (laughs) Sure. Other mountain decks that are playing their Geode Hatchlings, which is few and far between, but definitely one of my favorite cards in the side deck.
0: Yeah, Uh, I can see that working out very well for you.
1: Rupture's great in the side deck. It's only in the side deck because you can't rely on them playing a buff game. Mm -hmm. But when you see their buffing... It's it's an easy include, which I always took out Lava Shedding to okay. replace it. yep. Um, and then the third Shattered Volcano on the sideboard, that's for heavy buff removal decks. <laughs> it's overkill to have three in the main deck. Um, but the third one in side deck is great because uh, my matchup before finals was against Ancient Ignu, who splashed Storm, so he had crystal leeches, he had thunder slugs, he had everything in the world to get rid of my buffs. Yeah. Throwing this third one in kind of helped me push it over the edge on game 2.
0: So in a game like that where you, you bring this third chatter volcano in, is that something that you kind of plan ahead and say I'm going to save my geode hatchlings for these as well?
1: Uh at least one I do kind of try to save a geode hatchling. For an emergency type situation like that, a lot of the times there's so many buffs in the deck, your discard pile is going to get convoluted, and you're probably not even going to be able to get your shattered volcano back. A lot of the times, they'll end up putting a shattered volcano in, and then you'll rotate a an ancient miner out on your buff phase, and you know that's expired, and your deck's empty. What good is your ancient miner right now? Sure. So it got a little, like I said, convoluted. But yeah, you try to keep one for for that just in case scenario.
0: So then the toughest thing I always have a problem with with the side deck is what do you take out? Like we kind of already covered one possibly. Like you were mentioning in, in, in a new iteration of this deck, you might take out a focus chamber already. So I can see maybe one of those coming out for right. for something you're bringing in from your side deck. But right. What goes through your head when you're trying to figure this out?
1: Um, well, like I said, if they're playing buffs, you know, you want to bring your rusher in for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Magma Blast is underperforming to me, so I would always cut that. As for the action cards to take out, kind of, I, I gauged the situation, you know. Are they, are they heavy attack? Or are they coming at me full force with 5 damage here, 5 damage there? If they aren't, you know, I would take... You know, maybe one emergency system out, maybe take my Tyrex fixer out. If I don't need the healing, I can easily get away from that. Sure. A lot of the times I would just always sideboard into crushing charger because of how it sets the pace mm-hmm. in your favor. You know, sometimes, you know, they'll have a crushing charger <laughs> ready for you. And you just hit them with it before they hit you, and it slows them down. It it keeps you playing your game, which is ideal in Lightseekers. You want to play your game, not your opponent's. Yeah. So I would always bring in Crushing Chargers if they're playing some sort of... I didn't have the pleasure of playing against any of the nature decks, so Font of Misfortune really didn't do anything there, but like I said, I played a Dread deck who was very heavy mm-hmm. in recursion in the Font of Misfortune. Like I said, it just slowed us down for about eight turns, which favors a Granite player because you want to just draw, draw, draw until your deck's empty.
0: Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be necessarily picking up more cards from anywhere else.
1: Right. You don't want to. I mean, it's good to use an action to heal. It save your life, but if you can go without that to draw two more cards, it's perfect. Yeah. Instead of healing and then drawing one card, or healing and destroying some buffs for no cards in your hand, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's really what it's. You, you kind of got to gauge where you're at, and uh, what they're playing, and then side deck based off of that to make sure you continue to play your game
0: that's fair yeah if you were to give someone some advice i know we mentioned that this deck isn't quite as viable in the app right now and moving forward it might not be quite as playable but we still do have a few tournaments left in 2018 where where this is completely legitimate like we have Mm packs unplugged coming up we have two more delivery crab tournaments so If someone wanted to play this deck or something like it, what kind of advice could you give to them? Things to watch out for, things to change?
1: My main advice would be, like I said earlier, just play your game. You know, they're going to be doing what they need to do. Just focus on what you need to do. And one of the biggest keys uh, that I learned in a few other card games is your life total isn't just a life total. It's a resource, and you need to play with it as such. You don't lose the game until you're at zero life. If you can afford to take a hit, take it. Don't worry about wasting this or that to survive. Well, worry about it if you're, you're trying to survive. But uh, if it's not going to affect you, if you take five or six damage when you're at 25, you're down to 16 or, or 19 or, or whatever. And, you know, don't worry about healing right now. Uh, you know, they can't feasibly kill you at that point then go keep playing your game
0: yeah that's that, that's very well said i do appreciate that because yeah i think some people kind of look at that the wrong way sometimes and that's a very good point to bring out there just for anybody not not right. just not just this deck necessarily right. but yeah that's anybody. a
1: good blanket statement for card games in general like yeah. even other ones but especially this one
0: Mm-hmm. all right well Thank you, Charles, for coming on the show today. Thank you once again for coming out to the tournament and doing so well, I guess.
1: Uh, Right.
0: Do you have any plans for future Lightseekers tournaments right now?
1: Any conventions Uh, or anything? Yeah, we're actually planning to go to two of the gold events in the early year. The one in Chicago at TPK and possibly the one in Toledo. For the rest of this year, likely not. But come January, we're going to ramp up our game and do a little bit more traveling. And hopefully, we can get our scene developed out here yeah. and have people travel to us. Yeah,
0: definitely. I would love to do that.
1: Uh, but
0: yeah, I will hopefully see you at one of those tournaments then. And uh, yeah, thank you for coming on.
1: No, I appreciate your time.
0: And there you have it our reigning champion in Indiana. Charles. As I mentioned in the intro, we have a number of tournaments coming up yet. On November 17th, that's this Saturday, we have a tournament in Mount Laurel, New Jersey that's just outside of Philadelphia. I won't be able to make that tournament personally, but I hope a lot of you can make it. However, if you do want to meet up with me, I will be in the area two weeks later on the weekend of December 1st for PAX Unplugged, which is actually in Philadelphia. The big tournament that weekend is actually on the first day of the convention. It's on Friday, right away in the morning, I believe. So you want to get there on Friday for the big tournament. Then you can enjoy the rest of the convention, the rest of the weekend afterwards. There are a number of smaller Lightseekers events going on throughout the weekend, I believe. But the big tournament that you want to be there for is going to be right away on Friday. And then the final big event of 2018 is going to be on December 15th in Toledo, Ohio. I will also be there in person for that one as well. So I'm really hoping a lot of you can meet up there. I know we've had good turnouts in Indiana already. A lot of people have been talking about the Ohio tournament, coming down from Michigan, coming up from Indiana, wherever you're from. I hope to see a lot of you there in Toledo. A good turnout in Toledo is going to give us a lot of momentum going into 2019, where we are working on planning a lot of new events for you. I can't announce anything officially at this time, but just know that in 2019, those tournaments will start with the Seekers points. There may even be some Delivery Crab points to earn as well in these tournaments, so you want to keep an eye out for details on that. We'll get details on these tournaments and anything you need to know about them out to you as soon as possible. As always, the show notes for this episode can be found at DeliveryCrab.com slash 049. That's DeliveryCrab.com slash 049. That's all I got for you now. So until next week, I got some more deliveries to make.